This morning, my task is to continue a series we started last week um, in the Psalms. It's a, a series that we are calling Summer Psalms. And uh, for some of you, the Psalms may be uh, newer than they may be to, to others. But uh, the Psalms are an Old Testament collection of poems of prayer and praise. And I love the Psalms because the Psalms are some of the most honest and the most raw expressions of the human experience in the Bible. It is people being real and raw with God. And what the Psalms end up being are these expressions, poetic expressions that give voice to our experiences, but they also give view to God's character. Uh, They are these moments where the psalmists just express themselves honestly to God and in expressing themselves honestly to God, remind us of the truths of who God is to us in those experiences. For every season of the soul, there is a psalm. And I'm just telling you, whatever you are experiencing now or whatever you happen to experience throughout the course of this summer, there is a psalm that will understand your experience, give voice to it, and reveal God's character in the midst of it all. If you're willing to spend some time in this book of song, this book of poetry. Um, Man, this morning we are going to be in Psalm chapter 3. Psalm chapter 3. That's a a psalm penned by the great King David um, when he was walking through a pretty dark season of his life. And you're going to hear him express himself honestly and rediscover the character of God in the midst of this. If you have a copy of the Bible, Meet me there. Psalm chapter 3. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, the verses will appear on the screen and you can follow along that way. Whichever screen you happen to be facing right now. Psalm chapter 3. Here's what it says. Lord, how many are my foes? How many... Rise up against me. Listen, I don't, again, I don't know who you are. And I don't know what season you happen to be journeying through right now emotionally or experientially. I, I really don't have access to that information. I don't know what space you happen to be in. But I am confident That if you are not walking through a season of life like David is experiencing right now, give it a couple of weeks. And you are going to find yourself in this stretch like the one David is walking in Psalm chapter 3. A stretch in which it feels like everything and everyone is bent and tilted against you. It may not be everyone. It may be two people, but it feels like everyone and everything. It may not be everything. It may be a couple of things, but it feels like everyone and everything is tilted, is bent against you. Like nothing is working for you. Everything is working against you. Like no one is cheering for you. Everyone is conspiring uh, against you. Like, I don't even know what I did. All I know is all of a sudden my friends have etched me out and they're holding me at a distance and I'm on the outside looking in. I don't even know what. Okay, maybe I did one thing, but that surely didn't warrant everybody turning against me. Okay, I've made some mistakes, but not enough for my family to turn their backs on me the the, the way that they've turned their backs on me to mistreat me the way that they are mistreating me where it feels like after all that I've done for my kids how can they honestly be saying that about me how can my grandkids honestly be kept from me because of what I don't know what season you're going through but if not now 
Give it time, you are going to be walking through a season where it feels like everything is against you. I am working so hard, but no matter how hard I work, it feels like I cannot catch up financially, let alone feel financially secure and feel my financial feet beneath me. You know what? I want to work hard, but no employer seems to be willing to give me the opportunity. Almost like the employer network has co-conspired. They've put my picture everywhere and said, do not hire. That's how it feels right now. It just feels like my, my body is conspiring against me to, to make life as miserable and as difficult and as challenging as possible because my health can't seem to catch a break. Seems like the bad guys are winning and coming after everything that matters to me politically. Woo, ministry feels like everyone's quit on church. Like the pandemic became the perfect window to just escape and no one cares about church anymore. And as a minister, as a pastor, I feel like I'm just constantly disappointing and letting people down. And everybody is against me. I'm just asking. Have you ever felt like nothing is working for you rather everything is working against you no one is cheering for you rather everyone is conspiring against you have you ever felt that way and if not give it a couple of weeks well David king of Israel who wrote the Psalms obviously understood that Feeling. Even though he was the greatest king in history, the greatest military mind who ever walked the earth, he is going through a dark season that he did not prepare for and could not strategize for, in which it feels like everyone has turned on him. Um, a, a little context. I don't know, by the way, how messy your family drama or situation happens to be, but... Um, Let me share a little bit of David's story just to put your family drama in some perspective. It was a hot mess, y'all. Hot mess. Uh, David had a huge family, but of particular interest in Psalm chapter 3 is his third-born son, a dude by the name of Absalom, a bona fide stud. The Bible doesn't tend to gawk about people very often. But when it describes Absalom, it is like tripping over itself a little bit. Describing just how good looking this dude was. He apparently had hair that just never stopped growing. These gorgeous, glorious locks about him. He was smart. He was charming as I'll get out. Absalom. But also. Super manipulative, very conniving, narcissistic, power-hungry jerk. Him too. Um, The kind of guy reality TV would love to make a series about. Absalom. He was a character. Man, on one occasion, um, true story, one of his brothers, his his older brother, a, a, a twisted dude by the name of Amnon, Developed feelings for his little sister Tamar, half-sister. And um, he forced himself on her. Absalom found out about this and he was fuming. The guy plotted for two years how to pay his brother back. And when the time came, he struck. He planned this brother's only trip out of town. And while they were out of town, he ordered some people To have his own brother killed. Word gets back to David. You can imagine what the king is feeling. He has lost a son. Because his other son had him taken out. So I can imagine the tug of war. Grief and rage are just pulling against each other in David's heart. 
Uh, there was so much tension put in David's relationship with his third-born son Absalom that Absalom stayed away from the capital city of Jerusalem for three years. The two of them did not speak. They did not see each other. After three years, David finally said, okay, he can come back home to Jerusalem, but I do not want to see him. And so for another two years, father and son never set foot in the same room. They never looked at each other's faces. There was so much tension, so much drama. Five years later, seven years after um, the incident with his daughter, five years after the death of his son and the loss of his relationship with a son who had his other son killed, David and Absalom finally come into the same room and they reconcile. Or so David thought. Mm-mm. Absalom at that point had determined, I am going to destroy my dad and I'm going to dethrone him and I'm going to take over this entire empire. And that's exactly what he began to do. This dude, man, he started this plot. Uh, Phase one, look the part. So he gets this really decked out chariot. And he rides it everywhere he goes. And he has recruited slash I think paid 50 men to run in front of his chariot wherever he goes as a show of strength. To start to get in the minds of people this picture of his royalty. But that wasn't enough. This dude started to wake up really, really early in the morning and he would go to the city gates of Jerusalem. And as people made their way into the city to present their cases to the king and his court to ask them for justice, to ask for help, to ask for favor, Absalom would intercept those people and ask, hey, y'all, where y'all from? Oh, man, I feel you. Tell me more. Tell me more. And he would listen to their stories and he would listen to their struggles and he would listen to their problems and he would empathize. And the Bible even says he would hug them and and he would kiss them and he would start to spread a narrative. No one in this city cares about your issues. Definitely not the king. You are not going to get justice in there. These people don't care about you. But if I were king, I'm just saying. And over time, he won the heart of the people. Because I don't know if you knew this, but, oh man, potential possibility is always more enticing than actual reality. That's why we're always more enthralled with a person who's not yet in power. (laughs) Because you can picture them to be everything that you want them to be. But needless to say, Absalom succeeded. He won the hearts of Tens of thousands of people. Once Absalom became aware of the fact that he had won over the nation, he moved to the next phase of his plot. He actually went to his dad and asked his dad for his blessing because he was going to take a worship trip to a different town. And David actually blessed his son, not knowing he was signing off on his own coup. So Absalom goes to a different town and there he sets up a military base and starts to build his armed forces. And once he realizes he's ready, he sends words secretly throughout the nation of Israel. And it says, when you hear the trumpet sound, everybody declare Absalom is king. Trumpet sound and everyone shouts about it. And somebody goes and updates David and says, David... King, your highness, sorry to tell you, men, you have lost the nation. You have lost the nation. Their hearts are with your son, Absalom. David hears this and immediately knows, I've got to get out of here. That boy's crazy. And he's coming after me. And he is going to take me out and everyone that I love. And so in this really sad picture, the great king of Israel, he pulls together his closest family. And he goes on the run from his own throne. On the run from his own home. On the run from his own capital city. And off he goes. Some of his military Um, dudes they're like we're not leaving you so they go with him and some of the people in the nation who are loyal to him like we're not leaving so we're coming with you and this little caravan sets off 
um, while David is on the run, he gets word, oh, for sure, 100%. Absalom has put together an army and he's coming to kill you. Um, Again, I don't know if I mentioned, I don't know what your family drama is like. This was messy. Son kills son who's messes with daughter, bitterness with dad, sets up a coup and is now coming to kill his own father while David is on the run. It is in the midst of all of that. My son is coming to kill me. My nation has turned against me. That David pens the words to Psalm chapter 3. Look again at what he says in verse number 1. Right? Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? I'm just asking you, have you ever felt like everything and everyone is bent against you? David did. He says in verse 2, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. By the way, as David is on the run, there is a dude who is literally trailing them. He's literally stalking David wherever he goes and he is just mocking him out loud. He is talking all kinds of mess about David. You deserve this. Aha, it's about time. This is justice. God hates you. We knew he was never for you. This is payback for all of the things that you did to King Saul and all of the things that you did to my family. And he goes around just stalking and tormenting David as though adding insults to injury. It is so bad that David's dudes eventually like, can we please just kill him? And David says, no, who knows? Maybe I deserve this. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been in a season where it feels like everyone and everything is against you. And on top of it, people are spreading narratives about why you're in that situation that aren't true. And on top of it, other people are gloating like, yeah, God did this to you. And internally, you are starting to turn on yourself like, maybe I deserve it. I don't know if you've ever been in a season. Like this, but David can definitely relate. Here's the question of Psalm 3 Where do our souls go when it feels like life has us on the run? What do we do in seasons where it literally feels like nothing is going right, nothing is going my way? What do we do? What is the refrain of the heart? What is the declaration that should be on our lips in seasons where it feels like everything is coming to get me and the world is closing in on me a little bit? David shows us. What this summer should be like for us. Should we walk through a season like this? He says in verse 3. This is absolutely stunning. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory. The one who lifts my head high. I'm going to read that again. But you, Lord, he says, are a shield. Everything is wrong and my enemies are coming to get me. And it feels like the world is turning on me and I'm turning on myself. But you, Lord, he says, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I love that. Such a powerful response to feeling like everything is bent against me. David says, almost like the spirit reminded him and returned him to this place where he redeclared, like, wait a minute, you are my shield. 
Wait a minute. You are my shield. What an incredible declaration. What an incredible declaration. I love this. It's in the midst of all of this. It's almost like the spirit reminds him and he snaps back to this truth. You are my shield. Man, I was reminded. I don't know why this reminded me of uh, man, when uh, my wife and I were newlyweds. And uh, we went to a, a friend's place. Um, they invited us to go four-wheeling for the first time. And uh, we're like, this sounds fantastic. And fantastic it was. I mean, so we're just driving around on, on four-wheelers. And I feel just power is what I felt, I think. You know, and so we're riding. And my wife, you know, is on the back of the four-wheeler. And... Um, Man, the sun sets and now it's dark, lights are on and we're riding around in, in the dark. And at one point, I don't know what happened. Okay, it wasn't my fault. Maybe she pushed me. I don't know. But we are, we are riding just like I am right here. Like we are riding um, along the edge of um, a, um, a dark, murky pond, right? And... Uh, I don't know what happened. Again, I think she pushed me, but whatever. Um, next thing I know, she and I are off the edge of that cliff and we are, we've caught air. And we are heading towards this dark, miry, watery situation, Loch Ness situation. And um, we hit that water and both of us come off the four-wheelers, you know, and we start to sink I was cool as a cucumber. I was as calm as a Navy SEAL. And she, on the other hand, not so much. (laughs) All right, I wasn't calm. Whatever. That's not the point of the story. But so we're down in the water. And my wife, I remind her of this all the time. She's flailing her arms. And she's bloody murdered. Just trying to stay alive. And trying to stay afloat. I just happened to discover something before she did. And when I did, I shared that information with her. And I simply said to her, um... Stand up. As she stood up and she was like, oh, and the water's like up to here. <laughs> She's like, ah, I guess we're going to be okay. We're going to survive. Anyway, I lost my wallet, never found it again. So this is a PSA. If you happen to find a wallet from like 20 years ago, um, it's, it's probably mine. But I don't know why I, I thought of that story, probably because this is what I expected. I, I just envision David experiencing. He's in the midst of this incredibly miry situation. And everything feels like it's coming against him. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit returns him to this truth. And he stands on his feet and makes this declaration. Wait a minute. You are my shield. I might actually be okay. You are my shield. This is a powerful declaration, by the way, y'all. This is David saying, wait a minute, you are my defense. Wait a minute, you are my protector. Wait a minute, you are my last line of defense. This is such a powerful statement. David is saying, wait a minute, like the spirit just reminded him, wait a minute. My enemy has to get through you to get to me. I don't know what you thought a shield was. When God is your shield, your enemy has to go through him to get to you. And it's almost like David is reminded of this truth and he makes the declaration, which by the way is my prayer that over the course of this summer in the season where it feels like everything is coming against you, you would just stand up in the pond and be like, wait a minute. Whatever it is has to get through him. Before it gets to me. It's not ultimately about the strength of David's military forces. It's not ultimately about how much loyalty he's garnered. It's not ultimately about how strong Absalom's army is. It occurs to David like, wait a minute. It's about the one who surrounds and the one who protects me. And it's reminded me of another story. I love this story in, 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 second, in the book of 2 Kings. But it's, it's a story of Elisha, one of God's prophets. And um, he was speaking on God's behalf. And his speaking truth irritated a really powerful king in that area. 
So that king is mad at the prophet of God, Elisha, and he decides, I've got to take this guy out. So he finds out where Elisha is living, and he assembles a powerful, mighty, large army to go and take him down. In the morning, Elisha's servant, his attendant, wakes up first. He goes and stands on the balcony, and he looks out. And he sees this incredibly ferocious army surrounding the entire city, and he knows why they're there, and he starts to freak out Elisha. Elisha, we're going to die. We're going to die. What are we going to do? Elisha gets up, and he stands and looks around, and he's like, oh, what's for breakfast? This guy cannot understand. Like, I'm sorry. How are you not absolutely freaking out over the fact that this mighty army has surrounded the city and they are coming to get us? I love Elisha's response. Um, look at it on the screen. This is 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. Elisha says, don't be afraid. I love this. The prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. And then he prays, Father, God, open his eyes so he can see. God opens the servant's eyes and the servant looks out again. And this time he sees things the way they really are. He sees this fiery army, this army from heaven with chariots. And literally they are on fire. And they've surrounded them as well. And I imagine the servant looking out there and saying, wait, they're, they're with us? Them are, them are our people? Yes. Oh, um, okay. Bagel? Right, what do you say at that point? Breakfast? He stands up in the pond and he sees, he's like, wait, I think we might be fine. I think we may just be okay. I love that story. I'm just asking you. When you're in a season or stretch where it feels as though everything and everyone is against you. Closing in and threatening to undo you or threatening, you know, to cause you harm. Do you believe that God is your shield? I'm just asking you. Do you legitimately believe that those who are with you are greater than those who are with them? I'm just asking you. Do you believe that your enemy has to get through God before he gets to you? Do you legitimately believe that that will change the way you eat your breakfast? That will change the way you stand in a murky pond. When you believe that. It's not you versus the enemy. It's the enemy versus the God who surrounds you. If he really is your shield. It's not you versus his threat to leave you. It's not you versus the the, the continued threats from the family to cut you off from the inheritance. Those things have got to get through him before they get to you. Help me to believe my enemies got to get through you to get to me. If you really are my shield. I'm sorry, family drama. You got to get through him to get to me. Sorry, devil. You got to get through him to get to me. Devil loves to shout all kinds of threats and intimidate. Oh, la, 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 la. I have you surrounded. That may be true, but you got to get through him to get to me. Bankruptcy has got to get through him to get to you. And I'm not saying it's not because you didn't make some dumb decisions and bought some ridiculous things on the, 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 the home shopping network or whatever. But keep in mind, David made some really dumb decisions. Did not change the fact that God is his shield. Sorry, sickness, you've got to get through him to get to me. Sorry, corrupt political policies. You're going to have to get through him before you get to me. David returns to this declaration almost like the spirit says, stand up. And declare it again. And David does. Wait. God. 
you are my shield. He says, verse 3 again, but Lord, you are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. By the way, did you notice the second declaration David makes here? God, you are my shield, but check it out. You are my shine. <laughs> oh, man. You are my glory, he says. You are my glow. However you want to say it. Man, I needed this one. I needed this declaration. Because I am such a, a shine beggar. Um. I depend on way too many things and way too many people to give me my sense of validation, my sense of radiance, my sense of shine. Do you think I'm awesome? How about you? Do you think I'm awesome? I'm auditioning. Please. Do you? Um. Do you believe the best about me? Are you cheering for my success? Please cheer for my success. You know, do you? What do you think? Can you please? I need some shine. Desperate for shine. Can you please give me some? And those of you with questionable past probably find this, you know. It's just to me that it's, it's the way, unfortunately, I at times wrestle. Like, like your approval is my shine. If you lift it, all of a sudden, who am I and what's left except to drop my head in shame until you give me another reason to shine? What a declaration David makes. Remember, there is some dude literally following him around with mockery on repeat, with lies just blasting him wherever he goes, just brutalizing his character. And by the way, that's going to be true about you. There are going to be voices that are constantly following you around, reminding you of that one thing you did or how you deserved it or how this was your fault or, or why. Constantly, David is in the middle of all of this. There's an entire nation that he has risked his life for over and over again. And they have turned on him. They believed a false report about him. Oh, he's lost it. The great military genius is old now. He's lost his edge. Oh, the king, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about any of you. All he cares about is himself and his name and his reputation. He's washed up. Hope Absalom kills you, David. He's in the middle of all of that. And in the midst of it, it's like the spirit reminds him. And he stands up and makes the declaration. Wait. But God, you are my shine, though. I love this. I... I refuse to get my sense of value, my sense of validation from anyone or anything else. I refuse to get my sense of worth from the latest polling numbers or um, the latest performance review, the latest approval ratings, how many likes I got on Kingstagram. <laughs> I actually worked on that one. But... Um, David redeclares, you, you are my shine. Hang on a second. You called me when I was a boy. They didn't. Wait a minute. You gave me this throne. They didn't. Wait a minute. You call me king. They didn't. You gave me this anointing. They didn't. And if they didn't give me my shine, they can't take it away. You are my shine. He returns to this incredible declaration. My validation, my value, my worth is not in what this dude stalking me is saying. It's not what the tens of thousands of people are saying about me. 
It's about what you have spoken over me. It's about what you have said is true over me. It's what you've called me and called me to. You are my shine. Your glory gives me my glow. As long as you have glory, I've got glow. I woke up like this. You are my shine. I walk with my head held high. Even in the midst of ridicule, even in the face of rejection, because of what you've called me and because of what you've called me to. He makes this declaration and boy, when you start to make this declaration, it has a way of drowning out the voices of mockers. It has a way of drowning out the whispers of the devil. It has a way of drowning out the the lies from your past. No, hang on a second. It's what you call me and what you call me to. You give me. My shine. I don't know if you've ever heard the story in the Old Testament of um, a prophet named Elisha and his servant. It's a really good one. You should read it. Second Kings chapter six. Um, but I'm just I'm just wondering, like in your mind, as you envision the story, how much do you assume Elisha cared about the opinions of the army that surrounded the city. I'm just asking. In light of what Elisha could see in the spiritual realm. Which is why we love the word of God and walking with the spirit. I'm just asking you. How much do you think Elisha was concerned about what the army thought about him? Hey, you know they don't like you. I've heard. They think you're a jerk. I know. They want you dead. Isn't that the worst? Wait, I mean, it doesn't bother you that they don't like you and they, 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 they want you dead? No, it stings. But it does not dim my shine. Because who I am and what I believe about who I am does not come from the opinion of those armies, those people. It is really hard for me to be taking my cues from that army when I can see fire all around. His glory is my shine. I'm taking my cues from that. What a declaration. You, God, are my glory and you are the lifter of my head. You are the one who causes me to walk this way. I love it. I love what David is declaring. I don't walk around like Swaggy D because these people over here like me. No, it's what I believe God sees and says about me. And I just came to announce to you, by the way, if you're a child of the king, You woke up with some shine, boy. You woke up with some glory all over you. You woke up with some glow on account of the fact that God calls you his. Forget all the other things he calls you. The fact that he just calls you his means you have some vicarious glow, some vicarious swag. I love that you know, Second Corinthians chapter three talks about that we are constantly moving from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. The question isn't whether or not you've got glory; it's just like how much, at what level of glory. Am I glory level three, or have I moved to glory level five? But all I know is I'm moving between glories. God gives me. My shine. I have needed to return to this declaration, y'all. If you're a child of the king, and I am. And on top of that, I know the things he's called me to. And if those things are true, then I need to stand in the miry pond and make the declaration over and over again. God, you are my glory. You are my shine. And here's the thing of it. If God gives it, only God can take it away. 
And I just came to tell somebody, do not give up your shine to anything that didn't give it to you in the first place. If they didn't give it, they can't take it. If they didn't give you your value, they can't take it. If they didn't give you your worth, they can't take it. If they didn't, they didn't call you, they can't take it away. If they didn't call you a child of God, they can't take it away. They cannot take what they did not give. And in a season where it feels like everything and everyone is against me, it is so tempting to feel like if everyone doesn't like me, therefore I have shrunk into shame. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. I don't care if tens of thousands turn. If they didn't call me a child of the king, they can't take my swag. They can't take my Shine. There is a stubbornness in the declaration that David makes. I don't know who you need to tell that to. I don't know what you need to announce that to. Maybe to your account balance. I am not going to lift my head in confidence based on how much money is in my bank account. I'm done with that. Your money did not give me my swag. You can't take it away. I'm done living like my financial status somehow gives me status. I don't know who you need to make that declaration to. Your sale prophets. You know, sale prophets didn't give you your glory. And they should not have the power to cause you to drop your head in shame. Your marital status. Come on, somebody. Who are you? Like Gollum? Frodo? Like a ring is going to determine your shine all of a sudden? No, sir. I woke up like this. But think about how often we're like, because of my status or because of what went wrong or because of what's not right in my relationship status, like all of a sudden it determines how I... God is your glory. He's the lifter of your head. If you need to get off Facebook and just the book itself, just stay with the book, do it. To be reminded, what your ex says is not what determines who you are. I don't know who you need to speak that to you. Dysfunctional family. Like, man, I refuse to let my dysfunctional family mess determine my shine. It is amazing how often we realize, man, there are things that are wrong at home and there are messy situations that I just don't want to even ever have get out. And so, man, I walk into the grocery store like a pile of shame. Can I remind you, by the way, the king of dysfunction wrote this. He is in the midst of his son trying to kill him. After killing another son. After the mess that led to the whole thing. And that, by the way, is just the surface of the messy, dysfunctional nature of David. The man after God's own heart. And in the midst of dysfunctional family drama, he makes the declaration. And some of you need to do it as well. I'm not waiting till my family feels Pinterest ready. I'm making the declaration right now. God, you are my glory, even in the midst of all of this drama. This family dysfunction cannot dim my shine. You are my glory. I'm just asking, do you really believe this? Stand in the pond, make the declaration. People may leave you this summer. It may seem like the whole world is against you. But let this be your declaration. God, you are my glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, by the way, let me not leave you cliffhanging, by the way, especially if you've never heard the story of David and Absalom. Absalom, in fact, did come after David with a mighty army. David had a smaller army. The two of them faced off. I don't know if I can say but in church, but there was a butt whooping. Absalom's dudes got whooped so bad, 20,000 of his soldiers died that day. Absalom realizes like, I am not winning. 
I am not winning. And this dude gets on his horse and he runs. This is a true story. The Bible is fantastic. He runs or rides, whatever the case is, on this horse away from David's men. And as he's fleeing on his horse, his glorious locks get caught in the branches of an oak tree. And that dude is left dangling. And he can't get down. David's men catch up with him. And they take him out. Even though, by the way, David explicitly said, if you find my son, do not lay a hand on him. Do not hurt this boy who is trying to kill me. He's still my son. I love that. But they take Absalom out. David was barely scraping the surface of his reign as king. He had so many other things to do. Solomon hasn't even come on the scene yet. David goes back and he leads his nation as the greatest king ever. Which, by the way, made me think. <laughs> there was never a threat of David actually losing the kingdom. God called him to be king no one was going to take away his throne. That was never actually in jeopardy. His son was not going to successfully you know, pull off this coup. He wasn't successfully going to kill David. I just, I was struck by that. That thing that feels like it's closing in on you and it's going to destroy you or it's going to dim your shine. It's not actually. I wonder if this was all happening by the grace of God because David had become a military genius in his own mind. The strength of his military forces. David, this incredible genius and the entire nation loved him. I just wonder if David had forgotten in the midst of all of his success, you are my shield, you are my shine. And this season... That was closing in on him was just God's way of bringing him back to the miry pond so he can stand up again and be reminded, God has always been my shield. God has always been my shine. For some of you, you're not going through a difficult season right now. You're going through a season where you feel like everything is great. I'm good. I don't need a shield. I don't need his shine. Let's give it two weeks. <laughs> And in his grace, God has a way of bringing us back to the place where we feel once again the need to redeclare it was never about my marriage. It was never about my money. It was never about my looks. It was never about my popularity. It was always God as my shield and God as my shine. I love how this story I don't know what the spirit is stirring in you. I don't know what he wants you to declare out loud. And by the way, I dare you to declare this out loud. I'm not saying like in your mind, agree with the thought that God is your shield. Agree with the thought that God is your shine. I am calling you to declare it out loud somewhere. Don't have to be here. If you're driving solo, just say it while you're driving. If you drive by your bank, maybe say it to your bank. God is my shine. It's not you. Maybe drive past your hater's house and just say it as you drive. Drive fast, okay? Not slow. That, that's weird. Um, I don't know what he's calling you to declare or what he's preparing you to have to declare over and over Again, God is your shield. God is your shine. And then this is how the story ends. And then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap. And this is how the psalm ends. This, it, it, verse 4, David says, I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I love that. This is the most brilliant military mind in history. And he's saying, oh man. Okay, so I'm not running first for my sword and my army. I am going to my knees. To prayer. He says, I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. He comes back to this place where prayer is the priority and God always answers me. God always answers me. It doesn't depend on strategy. It ultimately depends on me coming back to him. He is my ultimate victory. And then this is the prayer he prays. And this is the prayer that, man, we want to pray over 
you. Um, we are going to wrap the, the service just with an opportunity f- for prayer. If, if the spirit is stirring in you or there's an area of your, your life or your season that you would like the prayer for. This is the prayer that I want to, to pray over you. And I'll invite the elders and the prayer team to come in and pray this over you if you need it. It says in verse 5, I lie down and sleep and I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. I want to pray for somebody who's not sleeping well because things have been rolling around and things are closing in on you. And just to declare again, God is the one who gives you sleep. Some of y'all are going to rest like you haven't rested in a very long time on account of the one who causes you to sleep. You are not waiting on a verdict. You're not waiting on a jury to come back to tell you whether or not you can sleep. If God is your shield, God is your shine, go to bed. Verse 6 says, I will not fear. And some of you have been in seasons of fear. Though tens of thousands assail me on every side, mm, God is my shield. And he says, verse 7, arise, Lord. (laughs) Oh, man. I believe you are my shield. I believe you are my shine. But now I'm asking you to move. Arise, Lord, he says. Deliver me, my God. Right? This is not just about your declarations. We want to pray that he will deliver you from whatever it is. And then listen to this. He says, strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. <laughs> what? I don't know if you knew God is not just a lifter of heads. He's the breaker of jaws. I don't know what jaw needs broken in your life. In the first service, we're able to pray for some folks who had had different concerns or fears. And maybe for you, it's the jaw of addiction that's been over your family. For I don't know if you knew God breaks jaws. So this is such a powerful prayer that David prays. From the Lord comes deliverance. And then he says, may your blessing be on your people. And that's what we long to see be true, even here. As we make our declarations, we pray that God will issue his deliverance. I don't know what you need prayer for. I don't know what jaws you need broken in your life. I I don't, I don't know what spaces you need to be reminded God is your shield. I don't know what feels like maybe it's deteriorated from you and all that you feel is shame, but we just want to pray that God will return your sense of shine even as you make these declarations. Um, Elders, if you guys don't mind coming up here as awkward as this often is, like right now, right now, you know, but yeah, elders, please come on up um, and prayer team, please come on up um, as well. Um, so we'll be down here. Glad to pray for you. If you even suspect like, yeah, I might need prayer. Or if you even think like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I'd encourage you. Come on. Um, reminder, next week, we are not meeting here. We are meeting um, at our new campus information is going to be impossible to miss we'll get that out to you Um, and then also at the end of the service we're going to have questions up on the screen so you can continue this conversation and growing in what it means to make these declarations over your life Um, father thank you that you are our shield thank you that you are our shine help us to believe it help us to declare it help us lord to run to you as our deliverer, as our defender, as our definer. It's you, it's you, it's you. And Lord, I don't know what seasons folks are going through, but pray that you would just remind us of this declaration so we can stand up in the miry pond and speak who you are again and who we are in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.